Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung, and I'm so excited about the fact that you've joined us today to take a look at the book. There is a very controversial issue that needs to be dealt with. It's the kingdom of God. Are we in the kingdom now? Where is Jesus Christ at this moment? Is he seated on his throne? Well, we need to answer some of those questions, and we're going to do it as we take a look at the book. I have a five-hour audio series. It's my latest series, by the way, entitled Thy Kingdom Come. It's a five-hour audio series on CD that will assist you in understanding about the kingdom. Today, we're going to be talking about perversion of the kingdom. You'll understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the controversy surrounding this issue. I'll tell you how you can get your own copy of this five-hour audio series on CD in just a moment. But right now, get Bible in hand, and let's study the Word of God, perversion of the kingdom. Go to the last chapter of Chronicles, chapter 36. Second Chronicles 36. By the way, chapter 35, verse 3, tells you where the Ark of the Covenant is. The Ark of the Covenant, may I tell you, has never been to Ethiopia. The Ark of the Covenant, chapter 35, verse 3, is underneath the Dome of the Rock, where King Solomon, uh, excuse me, where King Josiah had the Levites to place it in a place prepared by Solomon. I have a video out there where two very distinguished Jewish rabbis saw the Ark of the Covenant exactly where the Bible said it is. It's always been there. Chapter 36 is the record of what? King Nebuchadnezzar, king of this first satanic earthly kingdom, Babylon, He comes in, he destroys the temple. He devastates the city of Jerusalem. You can read the text. I don't have to tell you all of it. He takes all the implements out of the temple, this sacred holy worship center, and takes them back over to Babel and puts them in his pagan worship centers. So Satan, using this first earthly kingdom, he established the Babylonian kingdom. To destroy God's plan. That was 586 B.C. Zerubbabel and Ezra, the next book over, you can see that Cyrus, a man prophesied 150 years before the fact by his name. Isaiah said 150 years before the fact, I will raise up a man named Cyrus who will allow the Jews to go back and rebuild their temple to establish that earthly kingdom. Because you see, God was using, he selected a people, the Jewish people, to witness to the world, here's how I want to establish the kingdom. And they're going to have a throne in a temple, in a theocracy. And that's what Judaism is basically all about and its ultimate. Cyrus lets him go back. You can read Ezra chapters 1 to 6. In chapter 6, they have rebuilt the temple. Zerubbabel takes 50,000 people back. They rebuild the temple. They have the dedicatory service. All 12 tribes are there to celebrate. That's chapter 6. That's after 539 B.C. Then what happens? Well, Medo-Persian Empire is defeated by the Grecian Empire. 
Grecian Empire is defeated by the, uh, the Roman Empire, which is what Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 told us. And then what happens? 70 A.D., the second effort by Satan to establish kingdoms. The Roman Empire comes into town, destroys the temple, devastates the city, dispersing the Jews to four corners of the earth. By the way, you know what day of the year it was in 586 B.C. that the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians? Tish Ba'av, the ninth day of the Jewish month of Av. You want to know what day it was in 70 A.D. when the Romans destroyed the temple in Jerusalem? Tish Ba'av, 70 A.D. The same day on the Jewish calendar, which is a holy day to them now. You know what they do on Tishbab? They go to the Temple Mount, or now the gates around it. They sit in sackcloth and ashes, reading the book of Lamentations and saying, This next Tishbab, may there be a temple in Jerusalem. Satan's plan to attack Jerusalem. Let me take just two more minutes, or maybe three. Go to Zechariah just for a second. Chapter 12 of Zechariah. Chapter 12. With this, I'll close very briefly. Chapter 12, Zechariah. Verse 2. This is talking about the end times. The phrase is used in verses 12, in chapters 12, 13, and 14 of Zechariah, in the day of the Lord... The day of the Lord is the time when Jesus Christ steps back on the Mount of Olives. That is the day of the Lord. Now, that's the specific usage of the term. It is also talking about that seven-year period of time leading up to Jesus stepping back on the Mount of Olives. So what we see in Zechariah 12, 13, and 14, it is what is going to be happening. Look here, I'll just touch what base with one thing. Verse 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all people round about, and when they shall be in the siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. He's going to make Jerusalem a cup of trembling. Now that's apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature will use a symbol to communicate an absolute truth. It's not a fairy tale. It's not an allegory. It's simply a symbol. Remember in Ezekiel chapter 37, it talked about the valley of dry bones. The bones come together. The flesh come on the bones. The breath of life is breathed into them. That's apocalyptic literature using a symbol. You know how you interpret apocalyptic literature? You keep reading. Ezekiel 37 verses 1 to 10 talk about the bones coming together, the flesh on them, the breath of life being breathed into them. Verse 11 of chapter 37, and the bones are the whole house of Israel, explaining the prophecy. Now, what you do in apocalyptic literature, you allow the word of God to interpret itself. You remember Proverbs, I think it's chapter 23, verse 30 or something like that. It says, when the cup that has the juice of the vine in it starts to move, don't touch it. It's intoxicating. You're not supposed to. In fact, 
A priest could never drink any wine that was intoxicating, nor could a king of Israel drink any wine. And so this thing about everybody's supposed to drink wine, that's, that's not biblical. He said, don't touch it. Don't touch if it's moving because it's intoxicating. What the phrase is really talking about, Jerusalem in the last days will become intoxicating. Those who have power over Jerusalem will be intoxicated with this power. Go back to chapter 1 of uh, Zechariah. Chapter 1. This is Jesus Christ, the angel of the Lord. And every time you see that, that's a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. That's in verse 12. He starts talking to Zechariah. Look at verse 14. So the angel that communed with me said, Cry thou, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Jerusalem. I love the flavor in the Hebrew on that. I am aggressively possessive for this city. Look at verse 15. And I am very sore displeased with the heathen, the Gentiles that are at ease. Arrogantly secure is the flavor from the Hebrew. Those who control Jerusalem. I was a bit displeased, but then they really ticked me off. I love that verse right there. Look at verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I am returned to Jerusalem with mercies. My house shall be built in it, saith the Lord of hosts, and a line shall be stretched forth upon Jerusalem. Jeremiah 31 says that line will be there to protect the city of Jerusalem. Go to chapter 6 of the book of Zechariah, chapter 6 and verse 12. In verse 12 it says, And speak unto him, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch, that is Jesus Christ. The branch, Jesus Christ, he shall grow up out of his place, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Where? In Jerusalem. What's he going to do there? Verse 13. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and he shall sit and rule on his throne, a theocracy on a throne in a temple in Jerusalem. That's God's ultimate plan. What does Satan do? Attack Jerusalem. Attack Jerusalem. You're going to see it in another lesson. The mightiest army in all of the world's history in Joel 2, I'll show you Thursday. That mighty army is going to come to take Jerusalem. That mighty army, like never has been seen, will try to take Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the center of controversy. There's a people, our own president went to Jerusalem to encourage them to divide the city and give half of it to the enemy. And you know the half? Where the sacred holy mount is located. Where Christ will have his throne in his temple to rule his theocracy. Oh, you think that's bad? I can show you on my computer. Eighty so-called great evangelical leaders who endorsed the president. The presidents of seminaries, 
Christian universities, denominations, associations, major churches, mega churches who have bought in to the kingdom now philosophy. Every one of them to the man. Jesus is on his throne. The kingdom is in operation. Satanic. Falling right into the trap of Satan to keep the city from God's people and give it to the enemy. The perversion of the kingdom is now underway. An evidence of how close we are to the shout to call us to be with him. For that wedding ceremony and that wedding marriage supper of the Lamb to come back with him, set up his kingdom. That's why I'm teaching this at this time. Father, allow us to grasp and understand your word, your plan, your adversary, and your ultimate victory. And when we have knowledge of that, we then will know how to live in your will. By precious name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. It's very important for you to understand that Jesus Christ is indeed not on his throne right now, according to the passages in the book of Hebrews. Perversion of the kingdom. This is an essential study for everybody. You need to have, though, the entire series. It's a five-hour audio series on CD entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. You can call our toll-free number if you'd like to get a copy of this series. Our toll-free number is 877-674-3298. Now remember, that's toll-free from across America. 877-674-3298. Or you can go to our website, prophecytoday.com, go to the shopping mall, and you can make your order of this five-hour audio series on CD entitled, Thy Kingdom Come. A very important study at this time in history. I want to thank you again for joining us. And you understand now, as we study God's Word, how close we may well be to the rapture of the church. I look for that to happen at any moment, every single day. Are you looking like that for Jesus Christ to come back? We need to be able to do that. It'll help us to live pure, be productive as we have prepared ourselves for this event in history when Christ calls us to be with him. Well, having said all of that and our study completed, there's basically nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until.